And now, ladies and gentlemen, please be seated, make sure there are no sharp objects around you, and for your own safety, do not operate any heavy machinery for the next 28 minutes, as we join show business legend, raconteur, after-dinner speaker and president of the Shoulder of Mutton angling team, 1968 to 1969. Yes, indeed, it's time for this week's instalment of... Count Arthur Strong's radio show. Oh, come on for crying out loud. Dear me. They should have a celebrity to the supermarket. A VIP one, like they do at airports, so you can get on Concord without having to rub soldiers with the pepperoni. The pastrami! <laughs> oh, paparazzi! Yeah. I'll put that in the suggestion box on the way out. Mind you, I've lost count of the number of times I've asked them to stop bulbs for torches. Must run into the high hundreds. If I had a power cut and I fell down my cellar steps going for a candle to illuminate my passage... Strictly speaking, they would be liable for that. So all the legal side of things need clarifying. I beg your pardon? What? You just said something to me. No, I did not. You did? You said something about the legal side needs clarifying? No. What you heard was me thinking. (laughs) I was thinking that, and that's what you heard. Out loud. Well, excuse me. Listen, are you in a hurry? Because I have a very important appointment looming. So if you're not in a hurry, you are, as it were, under a moral obligation to step aside and let me in in front of you. (laughs) Hey, that would be something to tell your family and friends, wouldn't it? Letting a busy celebrity in before you. Make yourself sound a bit special. Well, I am actually in a bit of a hurry. Uh, Who are you anyway? Now, you might find yourself hilarious saying things like that. (laughs) But when I tell you, you're talking direct to someone who, among many, many other things, done an episode of... um, (laughs) There's a lot of water in it. um, (laughs) The anodine line! The needing line! The needing line, that's right! Oh, yes. I shared many a tot of rum with Captain Birdseye when I was doing that. (laughs) Oh, what a character. I'm sorry, but I don't know what the needing line is. All right, try this. I don't know what's up with him, Mr. Harriet. I've gave him the worming tablet and everything. He just sits there, um, licking his private store. Words to that effect. It was a long time ago I did that. I've no idea what you're talking about. Right then, how about this? Um, oh, come on, bridge up the river, quiet, you idiot. I whistled that in the prison camp. I was the thin one stood behind Alex Guinness. Hitler has only got one boy. Okay, who's next, please? I'm afraid I don't want much television. Well, you must listen to radio. Oh, no. Funny you should mention the radio because you can hear me having a turn on the radio today doing, um, uh, name that tune? No, not name that tune. Um, um, just a minute. That's right. I'm doing just a minute this afternoon. Special guest. They've got me in at very short notice because an elephant has sat on Belody. <laughs> or something, something like that. I think it was an elephant. 
was either Bill Oddie or someone that had the same name as him. I do know that. Next, please. Look, if, if that's all you've got, please go in front of me. That's fine. Good morning. Do you need any help with your packing? I've only got a pint of milk and a packet of ginger nuts. I think I can manage that. Unless you're insinuating that I look more infirm than I look. Sorry, we have to ask. As part of the service, that would you give? Well, I'd like to know whose brainwave that was. Asking an able-bodied man if he needs help with the transference of his ginger nuts and a pint of milk in a carrier bag. Must have been up all night thinking that one up. <laughs> Would that they'd apply themselves with similar enthusiasm to my torture bulb conundrum. <laughs> you must be aware of that. Don't tell me it's not the talk of the canteen. If I wrench my leg going for a candle in my very, very dark back passage, you may well find yourself in the line of fire yourself, aiding and abetting, that is. Any award in my favour might come out of your wages for the next 20 years. Did you ever stop to think that? 98 pence, please. That's a pound. I think you'll find it's 2p change, irregardless of what your machine might tell you. Do you have a loyalty card? No, I don't. I don't require a card to tell me I'm loyal. Some of us don't need to go around banging a big tambourine every time we buy a packet of cream crackers. Where's the dignity in that? Good day to you. Look out, coming through. Hello there. Have you ever thought about double glazing? Why? Because I'm selling it. Do you sell it by the window? Uh, you could say that. How much would my upstairs toilet be to have done? Well, I don't know. It would depend on how big the window was. Oh, now you're shuffling the ghost post, aren't you? <laughs> oh, yes, I know what your game is. If I let you into my house, you'd have all my windows out, all my floorboards up, telling me I need a new boiler and my drive tarmac before I knew what had hit me. Well, you've picked the wrong one here, because you see this packet of ginger nuts? Yes. There's a tiny congealed camera hidden in it. <laughs> yes. And there's a film crew in an unmarked bread van outside listening to your every move. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm only selling double glazing. That's all I've said. Yes, but it's the way you said it. The implications of what you're saying. You see, I don't find you very trustworthy now I know all that. Know all what? All that tarmacking stuff you get up to. <laughs> Charging pensioners double. For goodness sake, I don't do any of that. What do you keep going on about tarmac for? Oh, well, I've obviously touched a nerve there. <laughs> yes. But you would react so violently to the mere mention of tarmac, Adam. Perhaps that's a guilty conscience speaking to me. You consider yourselves lucky I'm doing just a minute this afternoon. Otherwise, I'd citizens arrest you. Actually, I might have time. What time do you make it? Half past nine. Half past nine at night? No, in the morning. Well, fancy giving me a shock like that. <laughs> Dear me, some people. Anyway, lucky for you, I haven't got time to citizens arrest you. I've got a lot more else on today with um, just a tune. Name that minute. Oh, that just a sudden minute. So you've had a lucky break there. You've had what they call a turn again, Dick, on the road to Damascus experience. <laughs> oh, yes, bumping into me. But, you know, I don't expect any thanks for it. All I ask is that you now just try and become a valuable member of biology, society, and uh, make the most of your letter. <laughs> Right, now, where on earth is that egg timer for when he comes? 
Aha, here it is. Oh, and there's my bicycle home. Good. That doesn't need oiling. All right, that'll be Malcolm. Yes, yes, I heard you, for goodness sake. Good morning, Count Strong. What have I told you about that bell, Malcolm? If everybody rang it twice, the battery would only last half as long. <laughs> Ergo, global warning. And that wouldn't be your fault, that, if the ozone layer started to smell more. <laughs> this planet belongs to us all, Malcolm. It's not like, um, Venus. So remember that next time you're toying with the notion of ringing my bell twice. Anyway, come up, now you're here. Ow! Mind your head on that light fitting. I've been working like mad on my audition speech. I know all the words off by heart. I'm just struggling with the order. Uh, very good. But listen, I haven't got time for your class today. Something important's come up. You've got to help me. But I paid for today last time. But I'll give you a, a credit note or half your money back or something. Don't be ungracious, Malcolm. It, it'll become you. What do you want me to do? Well, you know... Um, not name that tune. Um, oh, what's it called? Just a minute. <laughs> well, do you or don't you? What? No, um, oh, I've just said it. Um, <laughs> just a minute. <laughs> well, do you or don't you? Do I or don't I what? Are you being deliberately obtuse? Do you know... Just a minute, the, the radio show. The show on the radio. Oh, yes, I do. I, I thought you were just saying just a minute. I was. <laughs> no, I thought you meant just a minute. I did mean just a minute, you bloody idiot. What are you on about? I do hope you haven't been at those alcohol pups again, Malcolm. You know what happened the last time? Waking up in Glasgow, handcuffed to a tree, covered in sick... Could you let that happen to me? <laughs> now listen, I have been invited at short notice to be on Name That Minute, the, um, the radio show. Um, Odd Billy has been squashed by an elephant. Who's Odd Billy? Not Odd Billy. Um, Goody Billy. Billy Goody. Billoddy. Oh, anyway, whatever he's called, he's under a sodden elephant. Um, they're on me to replace him. Now, I'll not be there to make the numbers up. Make no bones about that. I intend to win it. Therefore, I am enlisting your help to test me up and ensure I am match fit. When I get there, I want to hit the ground falling. Crawling. Oh, running, idiot. Now... I have to talk about a topic for one minute without, um, repetition, <laughs> deviation, uh, um, hesitation, or repetition. In the unlikely event I do one of those, you honk that horn just so we get the feel of the whole show. No, don't do it now. That's just wasteful. <laughs> what have I just said to you about the Uso hood? <laughs> right. 
do understand the rules. Uh, yes, I listened to it with me, Mum. Right then. First of all, we need a topic picked at random from the newspaper. Let's have a look. Um, I don't fancy that. Uh, oh, here we go. Nelson's column. Yes, I'll have Nelson's column as my random choice. Right then, Malcolm. Let battle commence. <coughs> As the sound of the minute waltz dies away, it's time for another edition of Just a Minute. What are you doing? But that's how it starts. Look, you nitwit, don't bother with all that. That's nothing to do with what I want. Just do the topics. Right. The first topic is Nelson's column. Count Arthur Strong, can you speak for 60 seconds on the subject of Nelson's column? Of course I can. Any idiot can do that. (laughs) Starting from now. Hesitation! What are you talking about, hesitation? I I, I didn't know it started. You can't hesitate if you don't know you've started. All right. Nelson's column for one minute, starting from now. Hesitation! I was not. I was was thinking. You're you're not hesitating when you're thinking because you're feeling where you would be hesitating with your thoughts. So that's a point to me for an incorrect challenge. And I still have the subject. All right. One minute starting from now. Hesitation! Oh, no, 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 I'm not having that. You, 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 you never said what the subject was, Clever Dick. You always have to say the subject. It's the same subject. You haven't said anything about it yet. Well, you know, you can dress it up how you want. But at the end of the day, that's another bonus point to me. Eh? Plus another one for saying something funny. Oh, yes, you've got to get up a damn sight earlier than my um, clock when it rings to get up before when I do first thing in the morning. Carry on, then. Come on, try again. Hesitation! Don't be ridiculous. I was just clearing my throat. Oh, you're the right little Hitler, you, aren't you? Sitting there with that silly grin on your face and your horn in your hands. Anyway, that's another point to me. How many points have I got now, then? Eleven. How much time is there left on the clock? One minute. As long as that? Oh, no, no, you must have got that wrong. I've spoken for much longer than that on Nelson's column. But you haven't said anything about it at all, yeah? That's where the skill of the game comes in. <laughs> Could I just remind you, Malcolm, of my points, Tally? You don't get 11 points at name that tune for not talking about Nelson's Mandela. <laughs> That's twice as many as Clement Attlee gets on it. Fraud. Uh, Clement fraud. <laughs> well, I think that's me primed and ready for my appearance on the wireless list. Right then, uh, just got time for a spot of lunch at Jerry's. Come on, I'll treat you. <laughs> Afternoon, Arthur. Jerry. How are you, Malcolm? Very well, thank you, Mr Edwards. I see you're still advertising an all-day breakfast on your blackboard, Jerry. Despite what I've told you about that being technically impossible after midday, (laughs) might I suggest you refer to it as brunch in the future? Then we can move on to more pressing concerns, like, for example, the Oxo hole. The the thing is, Arthur, that... People know what they're getting when you call it breakfast. They don't know what brunch is. Oh, I think you underestimate, Jerry, the adaptability of the human race. We'd all still be living like the Flintstones if we couldn't adapt to change. 
mind you, some of the things they had then were way ahead of its time. <laughs> I'm thinking particularly, Jerry, of the pirate record player. <laughs> yeah. Well... Anyway, well, what can I get you offer? I'll have a cup of tea, and let's see, um, breakfast number two, I think, with extra fried bread. Oh, and don't put me any black pudding on it. I'm on the radio this afternoon. It repeats on me. <laughs> don't want to be burping all over Nicholas Parsons. <laughs> and get Malcolm whatever he wants to the value of 70 pence. <laughs> That's because you've been very helpful to me this morning, Malcolm. What are you doing, you lunatic? Repetition. What? Repetition of Malcolm. We've finished doing that, you bloody idiot. Could have had a heart attack then. I wasn't ready for that. That's how Paul Daniels died. <laughs> Debbie McGee punched him in the stomach when he wasn't ready. Oh, he fell right off the roof. They had, to, they had to stop the show. Went straight to an advert for Toilet Duck, which... I'd run out of, tragically, so that reminded me. So, every cloud has a silver lining. <laughs> anyway, make yourself useful and secure us that window table before someone else gets the backsides in there. And put that sodding horn down. Can I do my speech I've been working on while you're waiting for your breakfast to come? Oh, not you as well. Brunch! It's well past midday. Oh, go on then. But I'm not going to eat through your racket going on. You'll have to stop when my breakfast does come. Uh, lunch. Uh, brunch. It's from the Scottish play. The what? The Scottish play. What? Taggart? <laughs> no, no. Macbeth. Oh, I was going to say. Oh, yes, Macbeth is much more like it for an audition speech. <clears throat> is this a dagger? I see before. Mind you, it is good, isn't it, Taggart? Uh, I like a good thriller, I do. I'd just started then. Well, I would never have known. You have to take command when you do a speech. You can't start it, then stop to tell everyone you've started. They'll soon be streaming out of the auditorium if that's the way you go about it. <coughs> is this a dagger? I see that. Well, I've always wondered, though, is which one of the minutes is actually Taggart in it? Because they'll never tell you that, do they, when you're watching it? Is this a dagger? I see I think form. they must want you to work that out. Like a who is it within a who had done it? He's dead. Who is Macbeth? I know that. He died years ago. No, Taggart. Taggart's dead. Oh, no, no, no. You're getting confused now. Macbeth is the one that's dead. Any idiot knows that. Ides of March. He got stabbed outside the um, town hall. <laughs> Taggart is on the television. He is a policeman. Um, excuse me, is anybody sitting there? Well, is there nowhere else you could sit? We're having a private theatrical swallow here. Now it's all full. Oh, go on then. Thank you. Oh, for crying out loud, what did you do that for? What is it? I didn't put it there. Well, some bloody idiot did. Give it here. You told me to put it down. I never said to put it underneath an elderly woman, did I, you gormless nitwit? Here, now then, you might know this. Which one of them in Taggart is Taggart? He's dead. No, he's not dead. I've just put him straight on that. You're thinking of Macbeth, you know. Tis a far, far better thing I do now than I've ever done before. Macbeth! Oh! Now, I used to like Hamish Macbeth, and I, I'm sure I saw Taggart die in one. Taggart won't be dead. It's his show, isn't it? 
be like having the Rockford Files without what's his face? Um, James uh, Robertson's Justice. <laughs> what's the point of that? Were the witches in it, the one you saw? If there were witches in it, it's definitely Macbeth. Oh, I don't know about that. There was a car crash in it. Oh, you're just saying the first thing that comes into your head, you... <laughs> Can I sit there, mate? Oh, please do. It'll be fascinating to see what you bring to the debate. <laughs> Come again? Uh, it doesn't matter. Oh, for pity's sake, that bloody horn again! What is that? Who put that there? Some bloody idiot. It was you? That's quite enough of that from you, thank you. Anyway, it was you who brought it in in the first place, so double dips on that, clever clogs. Anyway, that's it. I've had enough. Jerry, you can forget my breakfast, dinner, dinner, lunch... Oh, brunch, brunch, call it what you like. But I tell you something, Jerry. If weights and measures catches up with you, you'll be for the high jump. Don't say you haven't been warned. Ah, right, here we are, the BBBC. Can I help you, sir? Yes, you can, as a matter of fact. Where do I go for... Um, oh, what is it? Um, just a minute. <coughs> well? Well what? Oh, for crying out loud, I know what you're doing. You're all in it together, aren't you? Look, where do I go for the radio show... Just a minute, just a minute, the radio show, and no messing about now. Oh, sorry, uh, straight out of the doors, you just came in, turn right, then right again at the end of the building, you'll see the rest of them waiting there. What, outside? We're all meeting outside? Yes, that's right. Well, I suppose it's a nice enough day. <laughs> Makes a change. Oh, blimey. I never said it was this far. <laughs> dear, oh, dear. Yeah. Are you all here for just a minute? Yes, that's right. There's a lot of you. Oh, it's a very popular programme, isn't it? Yes, it must be. Which one are you, then? I beg your pardon. Pamers, isn't it? Oh, yes. Hey, you talk a bit more posh off the radio, though, don't you, Pam? I thought it must be an act, you talking like a bumpkin. <laughs> what? Oh, yes, you'd have probably fooled a lot of people with that, but you didn't fool me, did you? No-one sounds that daft in real life. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm very sorry to disappoint you, but I'm not Pam Ayers. Which one of them are you, then? Well, I'm not any of them. I'm here to see the show. Oh, I get it. It's autograph you're after, isn't it? Well, come on, then. I've always got time for my fans, and I'll use your pen if you don't mind. I've lost pens before with you autograph hunters. I'm not saying you're light-fingered, but I'd be curious to see how many biros and ballpoints you've got in your sideboard. Who do you want me to sign it to? Um, I really don't want your autograph. Oh, well, if that's your attitude, you can shove off. <laughs> Dear me, talk about time wasters. Has she been bothering you, Nicholas? Nicholas? No, I'm not Nicholas. Listen, is there anybody actually here that's in the actual sodding show? But this is the queue to get in to see it. It's the queue for the audience. Oh, blood and sons. What's she sent me out here for? <laughs> Right, well, I'll find my own way through this time. I'll slip by that bloody idiot commissioner, sending me on a wild goose grease. A goosey gander. A goose chase. Goose. There we are. It's bent down to tie his shoelace. Let's slide through here. Now oh, then, where are we? Studio A. Let's have a look through the window. Nope, there's no one in there. Studio B. Turn left. Ah, now this might be it. What's he waving at? 
Oh, Arthur C. Clarke. Arthur, yes, that's right. <laughs> oh, thank goodness we didn't think you'd make it with your flight being delayed. My what? Can I just whiz you straight in? And that report from Duncan Shepherd concludes our look at the often controversial technique of animal cloning. And now I've just been joined by our special guest this afternoon, who I'm delighted to see is Arthur C. Clarke. Can you just sit down there and, and could you just put these cans on? Cans? Tin cans? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> headphones. I should think so. I, ca- I can't hear anything through. Them. Arthur C. Clarke, it's so wonderful to have you here. I can't hear you. <laughs> these tins of cans he's gave me aren't working. We'll, we'll just see if we can sort that out for you. Apologies for that, everybody. Right, how's that? Can you can you hear now? Oh, that's better. Loud and clear. Where's Pam Ayers, then? I thought she was doing it. <laughs> now, in 1945, in a letter to the editor of Wireless World entitled Peacetime Uses for the V2, you proposed geostationary satellites. The <laughs> idea being that once in equatorial orbit, 22,000 miles above the Earth, it would remain over the same spot on the ground. Now... This state of fantasy didn't until early bird was launched in 1965. Geostationary satellites are now at the very heart. Repetition of satellites. <laughs> what? I, I thought we'd have bells to press on the table. It's a pure chance I've got a horn on me. Beg your pardon. It's actually much more amateurish than you think, isn't it? Than, than when you're listening at home. Are we all in different rooms then? I'm sorry, who exactly are you? Oh, it's a tragedy about poor old ill body, isn't it? Falling off the envelope. Antelope. Elephant. Long way to fall, isn't it? What was he doing on a bloody envelope in the first place? Elephant. Oh, damn it, I've said elephant twice. Well, I'm not too proud to squeeze my own horn. Hello, Arthur. Jelly? I uh, heard you on the radio. How did it come across? Because when you're in it, it's sometimes difficult to get a feeling for how it went. Well, I was uh, serving as well, so I didn't hear all of it. I'd have to get them to send me a copy. I'd no idea that's how they made it. It was was extraordinary. They they didn't even have bells on the table. And and they kept us all in separate, in different rooms. I I didn't set eyes on Pam Ayers. Mind you, they did arrange for a commissionaire to escort me to the door when it was over. (laughs) So, you know, that was a nice touch. Rolling out the red carpet as twerp, because they didn't have to do that. So that was probably a mark of how well they thought it went. Right, what do I feel like? Um, oh, I'll tell you what, I might as well have some black pudding now I've done my radio show. Sticks and monoplate with breakfast number two. No, tell a lie, I'll have um, breakfast number four. Oh, shall I have one? Or three? No, no, I'll stick to my original choice. What was it? <laughs> Appearing with Count Arthur Strong were Sue Perkins, Alistair Kerr, Dave Mounfield and Terry Kilkelly as Malcolm. The script was written by Steve Delaney and edited by Graham Duff. 
Count Arthur Strong's radio show was recorded live at Comedia Brighton, is produced by John Leonard and Mark Radcliffe, and is a joint Comedia Entertainment and Smooth Operations production. Thank <laughs> you.